for the reading of God's Word. Pray for me. If you could rise for the reading of God's Word, we are going to uh, be in the book of Romans. The book of Romans, chapter 10. The book of Romans, we have been going through Romans, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And we are in verse 9. The book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9. Very well known verse to many. By the Spirit, the Apostle Paul writes, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is over all. He's rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, how sweet is the message of salvation. How sweet are those words that it says, whoever, whoever. No exceptions. Doesn't say whoever, except someone who did this thing. It doesn't say whoever except the person who did that thing and that thing a hundred times. It doesn't say that. It says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Your word says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Father, in the name of Jesus, teach us what that looks like today. We pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. I'm going to start this morning in the book of Mark. You don't have to turn there. This is Christmas season. But the incredible message of Jesus 
birth, what makes it so incredible is what happened after the birth. He led a perfect life for you and then he died for you. And in Mark chapter 15, it tells that story of his death. It says in verse four, uh, 15, rather, it says, The Roman governor, Pilate, wanting to please the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him, after he had him whipped his back with a Roman flagellum, four leather cords with little pieces of glass and iron in them. He, he had him scourged, whipped. It says in verse 15, he delivered him to be crucified. Verse 16 of Mark chapter 15 continues. It says, Then the Roman soldiers led Jesus away into the hall called the Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison, the whole unit, the whole regiment of soldiers. They called them into this room called the Praetorium. And there they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns, and they put it on his head. And they began to salute him, to mock him. Hail, King of the Jews. They struck him and on his head with a reed, and they spat on him. They bowed the knee before him. They worshipped him, and when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, the purple, purple robe. They put his own clothes on him and they led him out to crucify him. Verse 22, they brought him to the place of Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. Verse 25, now it was the third hour. It was 9 a.m. And they crucified him. Verse 27, with him they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. Verse 29, and those who passed by blasphemed him, meaning they insulted him. They blasphemed him, meaning they despised him. It says, wagging their heads and saying, aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking among themselves with the scribes, said, he saved others. Himself, he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. And it says, even those who crucified were crucified with him, reviled him. 
verse 33, now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, meaning 3 p.m., Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And verse 37 says, And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Jesus went through that so that you wouldn't have to. Jesus went through that So that you wouldn't have to. Knowing that, that Jesus went through that so that you wouldn't have to, are you really going to look at him in the faith and say, I will not make you Lord? I will not do that. Romans 10, verse 9, says this. Dave, can we have Romans 10, verse 9? It says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and this is where we began this morning in Romans 10, going verse by verse through the book of Romans, chapter by chapter. We started in verse 9 this morning, and this is the NIV translation. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus is known by many names in the Bible. He's called the bread of life. He's called the Good Shepherd. He's called the Lamb of God. He is called the Light of the World. He's called Lion of Judah. He's called the Word, the Way, the Truth, the True Vine. He's called the Alpha and the Omega. He is called Savior. However, by far, it's not even close, not even remotely close, the name that is used for Jesus more than any other in the Bible is Lord. It's Lord. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. In the first 10 verses of Romans chapter 10 alone, the word Lord is used of Jesus seven times. The word is used 
39 times, Lord, as the name of Jesus in the book of Romans. Consider this, in the book of Acts, the name Lord is used for Jesus 92 times compared to the name Savior, which is used for Jesus two times in the book of Acts. The name of, uh, of Jesus is used 90 to- 92 times in the book of Acts, in the book of Romans, 39 times. He's called Lord. The New Testament, the word Lord is used 635 times. Sometimes it's used for God the Father. Sometimes it's used as a title of courtesy for a man, but the overwhelming majority of time, it's, it's, it's used as the name of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Doesn't mean that the other names are not important. It's just that it was the good pleasure of God, the Holy Spirit, writing the word of God for us to name his son Lord more than any other name. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm so incredibly thankful for the grace of God. That word grace, it means getting what you don't deserve. Grace. I'm so incredibly thankful for the grace of God. And this Verse, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It it, it literally just drips with the grace of God. The grace of God is literally dripping out of this verse. It's so full of the grace of God. I am so incredibly thankful. for the grace that is dripping from this verse because I fall so incredibly short of the righteousness that God requires. There is a picture of the righteousness of God which I and you fall so incredibly short of. It can only be described as infinite, the distance between your righteousness and the righteousness of God. It's, it's infinite, the distance between the righteousness of heaven and the righteousness of earth. It's infinite. 
It's indescribably infinite. But there is a picture, a terrifying picture in the book of Revelation of the righteousness of God. It is a picture of the great white throne judgment that Jesus said will happen on the last day and the day of judgment in which Jesus sits as judge. And in verse 11 of chapter 20 of Revelation says this. This is the Apostle John who is given the vision of Revelation, which is written for us in the last book of the Bible. It's a picture of the righteousness of God, of Jesus Christ, which I and you fall so incredibly short from. John says, then I saw a great white throne and him, speaking of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, who sat on it, from whose face, read this, the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. Let's just read that again. This is a terrifying picture. Then I saw a great white throne and him, speaking of Jesus, who sat on it, from whose face, speaking of Jesus' face, the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. It says here that when they saw the face of Jesus, they fled away. They ran away. And I mean, this is so different than what we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels. In fact, you can do a study of, of this. It's a wonderful study because it's such a wonderful picture of all the times people ran to Jesus. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And people ran to them. Uh, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are. On Sunday mornings, I hope you take notes. In, in the book of Mark, chapter 6, verse 33 and 55, it says that people ran from all the cities to where Jesus was. He says it in verse 33 of chapter 6 of Mark, and then he repeats it again. To all the cities, the people ran to Jesus. But here in Revelation, chapter 20, in this last judgment that Jesus talks about to the people that are running to him on planet Earth, among other things, he spoke of them on the, the last day, speaking of the last judgment. It says that, they're running away from Jesus. Now, who are these people who are running away from Jesus? And who are, by the way, made to come back after running away? They're trying to run away. They try to run away. Who are they? Well, the next verse in Revelation uh, says it. says who they are. Verse 12 of Revelation 20 says, And I saw the dead. They're the dead. You see, we live in a spiritual world. And, and when we die, our body is just a tent. 
Our spirits are eternal. It says, and, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. See, they've been brought back from their fleeing, from their running away. And it says, the books were opened. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. I'm so grateful for the grace of God because I fall so short of the righteousness of God, the righteousness that beamed forth, shone forth from that face in Revelation 20. I fall so short of the righteousness of God. If there is a book recorded of my sin, the kind of book that is described in Revelation 20, my book would be so loaded every day because there was a time that face that same face, that exact face in Revelation 20. There was a time 2,000 years ago when, when that face looked over a multitude of people. And that face, the face of Jesus, said to the people, Love your enemies. And I don't. I fall short of that every day loving those who treat me as an enemy. I don't do that. Every day I fall short of that. There was a time 2,000 years ago where Jesus, looking over the multitude, said, that, rather, that face said, do good to those who hate you. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. I don't. I fall short of that every day. Luke chapter 6, verse 28 says, That face looked over the multitude and said, Bless those who curse you. But I don't. I curse, at least in my heart, those who curse me. That face said 2,000 years ago, Pray for those who spitefully use you. And, and I don't. I, I, in my heart, I, I, I wish the worst on those who spitefully use me. In verse 35 of Luke 6, Jesus, that face, that face of Jesus, looked over the multitude and he said, be kind to the unthankful and the evil. And I don't. Every day I don't. Verse 37 of Luke 6, that face, that face of Jesus looking over the multitude says, said, do not Judge. God has been so merciful to you. You cannot judge in light of how merciful God has been to you. And guess what? I don't. I, I judge. I judge people in my heart every day. You think you're okay with God. You think you're okay with God until you compare your behavior with the words that came from that face. The face from whom in Revelation chapter 20, all the earth and heaven, it says, fled from. 
I fall so unbelievably short of the righteousness of God. And when I come to Romans chapter 10, 10 verse 9, can we have that again, Dave? Oh God, do I love this verse. Oh God, do I love the, 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 the truth, the grace that's dripping from this verse. That if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, my salvation is sure. What happened... In Revelation chapter 20, what happened there when the books were opened and the people who fled from the face of Jesus uh, uh, were there and they were judged each for his own works? What happened? It says in Revelation 20, in the next few verses, it says this in Revelation 20 verses 13 through 15, and they were judged each one according to his works. And then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Listen, Calvary Chapel. Jesus' love for you is so intense, it's so powerful, it's so eternal. He chose to bear that judgment, the judgment of God, the wrath of God. In a sense, he, 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 he chose to bear the lake of fire in your place. And how did he bear that judgment? Well, he, we've been there this morning. It says that when the Roman governor wanted to please the crowd, he scourged Jesus and released him to be crucified. And then the soldiers led him every, into the hall called the Praetorium, the whole regiment, they clothed him with purple. They twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They saluted him, hail king of the Jews. They struck him. They spat on him. They bowed to the knees and worshipped him. They mocked him. And then they took the purple robe off him and they led him away to be crucified. They led him away to the Golgotha, the place of a skull. They led him away. They crucified him. Two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. And those who passed by wagged their heads. Aha, you who destroyed the temple and built it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from that cross. And likewise, the chief priests also among themselves said he saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of the Jews, come down from the cross that we may all see and believe. 
And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was the lake of fire. That was the wrath of God. That, that was the judgment for your sin. The sin, that, that those areas which you fall so indescribably short of every single day, uh, somehow that sin was on him and the wrath of God uh, it came upon him and was punished in your place. Verse 37 says, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and he breathed his last knowing that knowing that Jesus went through all of that so that you wouldn't have to, can you look him in the face and say, I will not make you my Lord? Can you do that? Really? Can you? Will you do that? No. I will not make you my Lord. Are you going to look him in the face and say, I want you in my life, but my money is mine? Are you going to look him in the face and say, I want you in my life, but my house and what goes on inside is mine? I want you in my life, but my career is mine. My entertainment is mine. My dreams are mine. My time is mine. My friends are mine. My family is mine. My husband, my wife, mine. If that's the case, he's not your Lord. You're looking him in the face because he's everywhere. And you're telling them, I will not make you my Lord. The worship team saying this morning, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Making Jesus your life means giving your life, all of it, over to him to do with according to his good pleasure and perfect will. Again, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from Revelation chapter 20, the lake of fire, the wrath of God, the judgment of God. That's what we're saved from. That's what you're saved from. Saved into what? Okay, you've told me what I've saved from. What am I saved into? Well, look at Romans chapter 10, verse 12 with me. A few verses down, read it together with me. Romans 10, verse 12 says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is over all is rich 
This is what you're saved into. To all who call upon him, whoever calls upon Jesus and says, you are my Lord, it says, the same Lord over all, verse 12, is rich to you. He is rich to you. What does that mean? He's rich to you. We, we saw in Romans 8.32, that verse that I challenge you to make it your life first. What does it say? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how much more will he with him, with Jesus, give you all things? Give you his richness. What is that richness? That richness, 1 Corinthians 1 9, 1 9, supremely, it's a relationship with Jesus. It's a relationship with the living God, the resurrected Lord. 1 Corinthians 1 9 says, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our who? Lord. One more time, our who? Lord. Then, Psalm 16 says this, what are the riches that Romans chapter 10 verse 12 is referring to that I'm saved into? I can think of no place in the Bible that describes it better than Psalm 16:11. You God show me the path of life. Jesus said in John 10:10, 10, 10, I have come not only to give you life, but life more abundantly, the path of life. You're saved into the riches of this life that Jesus has for you. And then it goes on in Psalm 16, verse 11. In your presence, in the presence again of Jesus Christ to whom you've been called into a relationship, in your presence is fullness of joy. Now, I was out in that secular world for 20 years. I know what financial riches are. I made more money than I ever dreamed that I would ever make. And I can tell you, that's not riches. It is not riches. This is riches. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's what you're saved into. Again, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm so grateful for the grace of God because I fall so short of the righteousness of God every day. I'm not loving people the way I should. I'm not patient with them, forgiving them. To be able to come to God, brothers and sisters, every day, empty-handed, with nothing to offer him except maybe works, which the Bible says 
are as filthy rags before his almighty holiness. To be able to come to him with empty hands and just, and just as this verse teaches, to just be able to say, Jesus, you're my Lord. And I believe in my heart that you took my sin and you rose, you died for it and you rose from the dead. I tell you, being a pastor, how I need the grace of God. How I need the grace-saturated verse, Romans 10.9. Grace just dripping from it. Because, because again, many voices, many expectations on me. And, and, and then as, as I'm three, four hours into the day, man, I, I, I'm hating when I should be loving. I'm judging when I should be having mercy. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all, all things. I bear so little with people. It, rather than believing all things, I assume the worst of them. I covet what's not mine. I, I lust, I murmur, I complain. Who do you think you are, Steve Cole? Being a pastor. And I come to Romans chapter 10. Or in my mind, this is, this is what I'm able to do every day. And I'm like, God, where are you? Verse 6. Read verse 6 with me. It says, it says, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will go up into heaven? Meaning, Jesus, I, do I, I have to climb up to heaven now after who I've been. Today, it says no. Verse 7 says, who will descend into the abyss? Meaning, uh, do I have to go down into the deep to find Jesus there? Do I have to dig ditches and and do works and, and do something to deserve his grace? No. It says, verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart Verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, somehow, somehow, when I come to the Lord, I know, and he tells me and he reminds me every time, he's faithful to do that, that somewhere in that blood-saturated body on the cross, my coveting, my lusting, my murmuring, my complaining, my hating was embedded in a wound somehow on that cross. My ugly sin, Lord Jesus, and you paid for it, paid for it, and, and I'm going to do what you've told me to do a thousand times. I'm just going to confess that you're the Lord and believe in my heart that you paid for my sin and rose from the dead and, and, and I'm going to move on and as you have told me to do, I'm going to move on. I'm going to walk on and I'm going to walk with joy. Not saturated with condemnation or judgment. You took that on but saturated with grace. This is a verse you feed on every day, brothers and sisters. It's often taught as a verse that you say one time at the beginning of your salvation. 
But that's not, that's not what it says. Now, it's true that after you do this for the first time and it's, you're really meaning it, you're really giving the Lord all, you are saved and your salvation is secure for all eternity. But look what it says in verse 8. What does it say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth, and it's in your heart that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. This is everyday language between you and God. That's what this is. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up at this time. And as they're coming up, and if you've been asked to pray... Please come up as well if you've been asked to be a prayer partner. But I want to conclude with this. There is one last thing. There's probably many things. But one last thing that I wanted to tell you about when you're saying Jesus is Lord, when you're saying, when it says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, there's something else that that means when you're calling him Lord. It means that you're calling him God. That's what it means. Now, why am I saying that? Because, as Paul often does, as the Holy Spirit does, as Jesus did when he was in his ministry, it repeats things over and over again. And verse 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus, God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved, is repeated in verse 13, which was the last verse we started with this morning. Verse 13 says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now that's a quote from the Old Testament prophet Jehovah, meaning rather Joel, who when he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, it's Lord with capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, meaning Jehovah. Whoever calls on the name of Jehovah, meaning God, shall be saved. When you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're You're crying out and you're agreeing, yes, Jesus, you are God. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, Jehovah, shall be saved. So as the worship team begins, why don't you can rise for the closing worship song. If you're here this morning and you have never said to Jesus, the Bible says that whether you, can, whether you can see him or not, and I'm sure you can't, but he is knocking at the door of your heart. In Revelation 3.20, it says God's knocking on the door of your heart. And he's saying, if any man, any woman opens... And says, come in, Lord, I will come in and dine with him. I'll have fellowship with him. If you've never done that, it is a simple prayer of faith. That's what it is. And I can pray along with you. 
as you pray that. Or anything else you'd like to pray about, come on up. This week, we've canceled all the Bible studies, the men's group, the home fellowships, the Tuesday night service, and we're all coming together on Friday night for Friday evening communion over at the church in, uh, in Lower Roxbury. The address is in the bulletin. To remember the blood of Jesus. Know how when we read about that blood being poured out, does our heart cry out, how could I ever not call him Lord? How could I ever do that? So please join us this Friday for that. The prayer meetings in the morning continue on all week, but the afternoon and evening studies are, are closed down so we can focus on the Lord this Friday night going into this Christmas season so much to be thankful for but again as we sing this final song anything you'd like to pray about come on up I'll close in prayer and we'll begin to worship Father I thank you I thank you Lord Lord I thank you for sending your son you had to watch all that Lord blow by blow you witnessed them striking your son and Lord Lord it was our it was our sin that caused the blows Isaiah 53 he was pierced for our transgressions the punishment that brought us peace Isaiah 53 was upon him Lord I pray by your spirit that you would draw anyone up here to pray Lord God to cry out with their heart Jesus, you paid it all. All to you, I owe. I give it to you. And Lord, by your Spirit, I pray that you would just lead us in the closing worship. Lord, you came here. You said you inhabit praises. Two or three are gathered. You're here. You're inhabiting your praises, Lord. I just pray that our praises would delight in you now. In Jesus' name.